Hello, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by LettermanRow.com. I am your host, Jeremy Birmingham. On the other line with me, as always, is Spencer Holbrook. This episode sponsored by our good friends at Byers Automotive. We are talking stuff about Ohio State recruiting because that's what we do here, Spencer. We're uh, back. I was on vacation. I went to the Bahamas. It was beautiful. It was nice to get away. Uh, Spencer filled in with some of the, the, the stuff throughout the week. Did it capably. Thank you for that, Spencer. Yeah, no problem. It was my pleasure. Uh, as I got back to the continental United States uh, on Friday afternoon, a couple of Ohio State's top targets in the class of 2021 dropped their top six on the social media, the Internet, the Twitter, right? Uh, Ja'Kalen Johnson, J.K. Johnson, whatever you want to call him, from DeSmet High School in St. Louis was one of them. Um Spencer, it wasn't a surprise that Ohio State made the cut for J.K. Johnson, but it was shocking to people that Notre Dame didn't. And um, I guess it's one of those situations where in the recruiting world, we sort of make assumptions based on uh, on things that really don't matter to a certain player. And that's, you know, just because Jordan Johnson, who was a, a five-star 2020 wide receiver recruit for a while, finished as a four-star uh, also from DeSmet High School, went to Notre Dame. Everyone kind of assumed that the Irish would have to be the the prohibitive front runner for J.K. Johnson uh, based on the fact that he made a few early visits there. And then he drops the top six and doesn't even include him in the list. Yeah, it's, that was kind of a shocking development, right? We, we kind of expected them to be in the running, but I guess the six that are there do make sense, right? So if he was going to cut it down to six and there was – he was borderline on one, you know, I'm going to be the guy that makes my own decision. I guess, uh, I guess it kind of makes sense in a way. So yeah. The thing that's maybe, interesting, maybe go ahead. Maybe he's a little independent where he, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, I'm not going where my brother went. I'm not doing what, what, what this guy did because I'm my own person. And we heard that kind of from those, those guys out at Cincinnati Princeton in the last cycle, even though they ended up with Ohio state. Uh, but, but it is kind of interesting to see, you know, a guy make his own decision and, and not only, not go there, but to leave them out entirely. Yeah, I think one of the things that was most interesting here is that uh, about 10 days ago, there was a pretty hot and heavy rumor um, that Notre Dame was set uh, to make a decision on a cornerbacks coach named Robert Steeples. Um, and Steeples is the head coach of Ja'Kalen Johnson at Dismet High School. And they thought that Notre Dame was going to be hiring him to fill their vacant cornerbacks coach job. Uh, and I guess the assumption again was that if that happened, then all of a sudden that pushes Notre Dame back into the front for Johnson's uh, eventual commitment. Notre Dame ended up choosing Mike Mickens, who was a cornerbacks coach at the university of Cincinnati and a former player of Brian Kelly's uh, instead. And I think people made this illogical leap. I mean, it might've even been a logical leap. I I, I guess thinking that maybe um, there was this like irritation on the part of steeples with Notre Dame. And that that's why all of a sudden JK Johnson was no longer uh, counting the Irish in their top six. But I talked to steeples on Sunday morning and he said that there was nothing further from the truth and it had nothing to do with um, Notre Dame picking someone else. So, I mean, if you were a recruit, do you think that like you would, basically flip the bird to a school because they didn't hire your coach? Uh, not necessarily, but that's me. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm a pretty, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm my own person, but I, you know, I could see it. it. It's not the most 
It wouldn't be the most insane recruiting team we would hear in the 2021 cycle. Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is J.K. Johnson is a top-five cornerback in the country. He wants to play at a place that is uh, going to be championship-caliber football and a good academic school. Um, maybe he's not looking for the, the campus life at Notre Dame. Who knows? I mean, it doesn't really matter what his decision is. But it also doesn't mean that the Irish are out of it because this is recruiting in the year 2020. And a kid can create and release a top six schools list on Sunday and then change it by Tuesday and have six new schools in it because none of this stuff ultimately um, defines them or locks them into a decision. So it's just interesting uh, because people want to assume that there's some higher reason or some other logic that's really dictating it. And you look at the schools he's looking at, schools like Oklahoma, Ohio State, Florida, USC. I mean, these are good schools, but none of them that are on the academic standard of Notre Dame, if you look at their non-athletic um, department requirements. So um, I, I, I'm just fascinated by what happens from here. Obviously, Notre Dame has had to have felt like they were in a good position with Johnson for a while. Um but then not having a cornerbacks coach really put them behind the eight ball. And now you'll see if Mike Mickens can really pick that up. They've done a poor job uh, in the last year, plus uh, recruiting the defensive backs in South Bend. That's why. And then Todd Light left the program in December, and they've kind of been, I don't want to say slow to, to make another hire, but they certainly haven't been in a hurry. Um, and now they hire Mike Mickens away from Cincinnati, who obviously is doing a good job at UC uh, in I'm surprised that the guy wanted to leave Luke Fickle, to be honest. But um, that's where we're at with Shaquille and Johnson. I think right now I still think Ohio State is the team to beat in that recruitment. Uh, there's an expected visit uh, in March, but no date is set. So um, another player expected to visit in March, but without a date set, and who also dropped the top six on Friday was Evan Pryor, the running back from Charlotte, North Carolina. And it's just one of those weird situations, Spencer, like everyone – knows that Ohio State needs a running back. And I, I know how good Evan, Evan Pryor is. But there's a part of me that thinks like Ohio State would hope that he's not ready to commit yet so that they can get other guys on campus. It's it's very interesting. And and we talked, you know, fans are so I, – I think the correct word is paranoid about running back recruiting, right? And this kid is really special. I really like the way he runs. I mentioned on Twitter when you were out of town um, – I tweeted out that he had dropped his top six, and I said, I really like the way he runs underneath it. And I, I do. I think he can be one of the better backs in this class, but I don't think he's at the level that a couple of these other backs are. And Ohio State, like you said, should probably be hoping. We really hope this guy visits and that he likes it, but but let's, let's see what our options are right now. Yeah, it's so weird. I mean, you're talking about the gap between – the top one or two running backs and the number four or five running backs seems quite large, but I don't know that it is. And I don't know if, um, you know, I'm just speaking based on, on what I've heard from other people or talking to people, but they really like Evan Pryor. They like him a lot. And if he tried to commit tomorrow, they would not tell him, no, I'm positive of that. Um, and they would then, you know, react and adjust the um, recruiting board from there because the question is, how does a guy like Donovan Edwards or Kamar Wheaton respond in that situation? Well, it's already pretty obvious that Evan Pryor would be welcome with to having two two big backs in the same class because of that picture he put it out there that when he was in Georgia, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he doesn't seem to mind the idea of being in a two back class. And he, Ohio State, 
Ohio State has shown that they can handle a two-back system. Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins worked out pretty well together. They each had 1,000 yards in the same season. Right. I mean, it's it's an offense that, as I wrote, um, you know, when I broke down the running back recruiting board uh, this last week, it's there's few offenses in the country that are as dynamic and as multiple as the Buckeyes are. And nobody really can stand up and say, hey, we have an offense that you can, you know, thrive as a pass catcher, as a wide receiver, as a quarterback and as a running back like Ohio State does. And I think that's why they're still in the mix here for players like um, Pryor and, and Donovan Edwards and Kamar Wheaton and Brandon Campbell over there in Texas. And, and that list of running back, I think, is just going to keep growing. I don't expect that list to start shrinking down anytime soon because what you're going to see in these next few months is a lot of kids from around the country starting to kind of blow up. And that's what you see like that, like I said, Brandon Campbell uh, in Texas that's a player that has uh, really, really been in a lot of uh, conversations with Ohio State in the last month and a half. They offered him. He's going to visit. Um, and so it becomes kind of a, a matter of timing, I think, when it comes to an ultimate an ultimate choice or uh, commitment from one of these kids because Evan Pryor sort of holds the card, in my opinion. Like, if it, he's the guy that's probably closest to committing. And if he decides on a visit in March to Ohio State, hey, I'm ready to go, let's do it. The Buckeyes are not going to tell him no, as I said. So it, it's going to be interesting uh, how that plays out. I don't think that they would even encourage him to wait if he says he's ready. It's not one of those situations where he's going to go home and they're going to say, "Hey, are you sure?" Let's, you know, and they, they've certainly done that in the past. But I think that uh, it's fascinating to consider how that could change things because you have Donovan Edwards, who they've just been recruiting like crazy for the last two years. Um, and then you wonder, like, okay, if we take Evan Pryor now, does that push Edwards even further to Michigan or Notre Dame or whatever? And does it hurt you in the long run? And how much of you know is how much of that is worth the risk? Well, and I think part of the conversation in that March visit, and I think part of the conversation with every single back they bring to campus this spring is going to be: you are not going to be the only big time back we're going after. Because we we probably need two, right? Yeah, yeah, like that's exactly. probably what the conversation is going to be. So no matter which one it is, if it's Devin Pryor and he says I'm ready to go, Ohio State's probably going to have him under the understanding that even if you are ready to go now, we're still going to be recruiting Kamar Wheaton and Donovan Edwards and Lavoisier Carroll and Will Shipley and Corey Kiner and every back that they can think of because this class is loaded at running back and it's loaded at running backs that have interest in Ohio State. And Ohio State needs not just one, but two probably big-time backs in this class. And it's kind of an interesting uh, situation they're in because it's kind of like the opposite of what they were in last year where they were so interested in these backs and they almost got you know a couple of them and now and then they're not, but they didn't end up getting them. It seems like they could get any one of you know 10 different guys and fans would go nuts right now about it. Yeah, I think people are just anxious to see what they think is an actual win. And I, I, I think you know we talked about this a month ago or whatever with Mayan Williams. I think people just underestimate the fact that Ohio State really liked him from the start. They just didn't get to see him on campus for a camp like they wanted to in the summer. And if he had, they probably would have offered him then. So I think people assume that that's sort of a a, a secondary offer or a, you know consolation prize. But that's not how the Buckeyes see it. And I th- But I think from a fan perspective, people just want to see one of those top five running backs in the country commit to Ohio State because it's hard to understand why they aren't. Again, when you're talking about an offense that's producing, I mean, J.K. Dobbins just ran for 2,000 yards. 
in a season. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, it is kind of nuts. It's, it is it's, it's, crazy. it's weird that people aren't lining up to be a part of that, but you know, that's, I guess how football is. So, you know, and, and it's getting harder. And again, you, you, if you accept a commitment from Evan Pryor early and he wants to commit the challenge of recruiting Donovan Edwards gets harder. And especially now that you have a coach like, you know, uh, Mel Tucker now landing at Michigan state, it's going to get harder to recruit inside of the state of Michigan. Um, because they're going to try to really push the envelope there. Mark D'Antonio kind of had his way about doing things, and Mel Tucker is certainly going to push a little bit harder um, than D'Antonio. And then I, I think it's just one of those things where you see it happening around the country right now in the spots that Ohio State has sort of uh, made a, their presence felt in the last handful of years, North Carolina, uh, um, Arizona, uh, Maryland. You look at these areas – Rakeem, I mean, think Rakeem Jarrett signed with Maryland. I mean, it's a five-star wide receiver. They have that uh, defensive tackle, Taze Johnson, I think is his name. I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Taze Johnson, a four-star defensive tackle who Ohio State had offered, committed to Maryland. There's a push there for to get guys to stay home. North Carolina is doing the same thing. You see a lot of young guys. Evan Pryor was at North Carolina two weekends ago and really, you know, raving about it. Mac Brown's doing a great job there. Herm Edwards out in, at Arizona State is finally taking advantage of bringing in some some big time players from the Southern California area uh, and in an, inside of Arizona. It, meanwhile, Kevin Sumlin at, at at Arizona is still just sleepwalking, but it's a dumpster fire. Yeah, it just seems like it's a lot harder right now for Ohio State to find one of these little areas. And and I've I've talked about this over the last couple of years, but. Seems like the Buckeyes, especially under Urban Meyer, always had this plan, right? They'd go to Florida when Florida and Miami and Florida State were down. And once those guys uh, started to get better, they went to Georgia, and then Georgia was down. And then the Buckeyes moved up into Tennessee, and now Tennessee's starting to come back around. And so then they moved out um, out west, and now they're out, out in Southern California making their presence there because USC and UCLA are still so mediocre. It's just it's funny to watch because, you know, we think about Ohio football and how good it is and how much talent there is inside of the state of Ohio, but the Buckeyes cannot live on Ohio alone, right? I mean, they have to find yeah, other yeah, spots. They can't. So they have because when they, were, when they were living on Ohio alone was when they were losing BCS games, and, and, and when, that's when the SEC speed factor was, was everywhere that you could think of was when Ohio was, was relying on too many Ohio kids. Yeah, you can win the Big Ten by recruiting Ohio in the Midwest alone, but you, 100%. You, it's it's a challenge to compete for national championships uh, if your roster doesn't have some of the talent that's spread out throughout the country, and I think that's why we've seen Ohio State continue to look at other spots. Again, like I said, last cycle we saw Southern California pop up, uh, the Pacific Northwest with, with G. Scott opened up in, in the Seattle area, um, and now you have, you know, we, it's it's kind of been creeping since the Ezekiel Elliott uh, signing back in 2013. But St. Louis is an area that is really open for Ohio State. Um, and you look, again, at, at a guy like J.K. Johnson, you see in the last few years with Cameron Babb and Mookie Cooper and Jamison Williams, uh, you know, Cam Brown, now you start to see the opportunity for J.K. Johnson Um that area is starting to pop up. And so it's like, how does Missouri, who just fired Barry Odom, like how do they respond? And it's just fascinating to watch the dominoes fall around the country and then get picked back up because as soon as these schools hire new coaches, what do they do? They put all this money into the program and there's an influx of energy and excitement. And so then it becomes harder to recruit. Like, hell, look what Greg Schiano's doing at, at Rucker. I mean, it, it's, it's just wild to watch. 
it's interesting to me because not only do they does Ohio State target areas that they know are down, but then they target areas where you and I might not understand what they're doing, but it, they there's some sort of blood in the water there. You look at what they're doing uh, in the Pacific Northwest. You look at like you said what they're doing in Missouri, but also what they're doing down. They're they're recruiting that Texas area a lot better than you would think they could with Jimbo Fisher, who is a, a fantastic recruiter. No matter what anybody says about him, he's a good recruiter, and and Tom Herman, who we know has a pretty good reputation as a recruiter. It's just fascinating to me where Ohio State, these programs might not necessarily be down because Oregon and Washington are not down, but they're still going in there. They're, they're looking. They're, they're making sure that they're making their presence known there. Uh, if you look at the class, the 2021 class already, uh, with the lineman they have from, from Houston. Uh, Donovan Jackson. Donovan Jackson. Donovan Jackson, yeah. That, that's a kid. You, know, you go down there right in the heart of Texas A&M, Houston, Texas area and pluck him out of there, it's just it's fascinating that they don't just attack the areas that they think are weak right now. They also attack the areas that they think they can have some success even where they're Yeah, I mean that that's the power of the brand of Ohio State football. They are one of those three or four brands right now that can walk into any high school in the country and make an impact. But you know, Donovan Jackson, there's a, a, a fortunate bounce in the fact that his family's from Ohio. I mean his parents are both both from Ohio. So you knew he loved Ohio to begin with. That's the case with a lot of these players, too. You know, I once heard something that somebody said, everybody's got a connection to Ohio. And it just seems even more true in recruiting. You know, oh, my dad's cousin grew up in Ohio. My grandparents are from Ohio. It's, it's kind of weird how often you see that around the country, these recruits having ties well, to Ohio. It's the byproduct of, of natural demographic shift, isn't it? I mean, it has to be. You have all these people leaving the Midwest to go to move around the country that means they're from the Midwest. And so they they have, even though they may now be living somewhere else, the geography uh, and and the demographics are shifting, but they're still from Ohio. They still have family ties. um, And and that, that still finds a way to play out. And there's almost like this, you know, sentimental attachment for these kids who are like, Oh, that's where my dad went to school. That's what my mom grew up rooting for. So uh, that opens doors. And what's amazing to me about recruiting and, and, I don't know that people really understand this, but the the amount of background work that has to go into finding out those things is amazing. Like the the uh, the work done by Mark Pantoni and the group at Ohio State to find out, like, hey, this kid has a trainer whose dad played for the Cleveland Browns. You know, they, they find they find the weirdest connections uh, to really start a dialogue with these people. And um, like, there's a tight end in, in Nevada, Maliki Matavau. Uh, his trainer is from Ohio and loves the Buckeyes, and so like that's how these conversations start. It's 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 really fascinating to to just watch on the recruiting trail, and um, there's so much that goes into it. And I'm I'm just curious, you know, where Ohio State goes next because Missouri is going to have to really push here. And what what Illinois did uh, a couple of years ago when they hired uh, the high school coach from St. Louis Trinity um, Christian. Trinity Catholic, I'm sorry, and and made him a, an assistant coach, and that's why you saw Isaiah Williams, uh, a, a former five star prospect in the class of 2019, end up at uh, in Illinois because they hired his high school coach, and th- these high school coaches have so much of an impact that uh, you see that more and more happening with with these guys and these programs that have they have to revitalize themselves by getting the players close to home. And look how, again, look what Greg Shiano did. He hired like seven high school coaches from New Jersey. And it's not just that Ohio state will go into these areas and coach, you know, five of the top 
20 players. You know, if they see that Missouri's down, they'll go in and get one or two guys from Missouri in each cycle. Like, uh, if they maybe, if there's like, seems to always be one high priority offensive lineman from Colorado. Colorado doesn't have a head coach right now. Ohio State may see an opportunity there. You know, you always got to. Well, again, but if you look at that, Sam Hart, the tight end commitment from Colorado, there's a, yeah. no, there's a number of other uh, tight ends in Colorado the Buckeyes are looking at. Offensive lineman uh, Reese Atterbury, who they took a real good look at in the twenty ninth or in 2020 cycle. It's just it's the middle of the country right now is lacking in, in, its, in some of its big-time football programs that uh, are historical ones. I mean, Colorado, Missouri, these are programs that have had some success, and uh, the Buckeyes are taking advantage of that stuff right now. And I don't—I mean, I could talk about the the nuance of this stuff all day, but um, I, I do want to mention uh, again. While I was on vacation, I don't want to call it a vacation. While I was while I was taking well, a minor you, break, I did right. Did you work? I mean, every single day. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess it's not quite a vacation. You were on the beach. It's a vacation. Yeah. I mean, uh, whatever. I mean, I had to write. You know five stories it snowed here it snowed here it didn't snow there it, it, it did not snow there that's true um but obviously you know the situation with amir reap and jocelyn went um and, and those two being dismissed from the buckeye football program not to at all make light of what they're charged with or their situation but as people worry uh, and we've talked about the numbers here like th- there things always find a way to work themselves out and and it sounds you know cruel i guess to say it but numbers find a way to work out and you may end up in a situation at ohio state all of a sudden where there's actually a need to go out and and add another player or two because that's an unexpected loss uh from the roster that wasn't anticipated yeah everybody thought they were going to be over and i kind of it's kind of odd talking about the scholarship limit when it comes to those guys right it, it in in the actuality is we cover ohio state football and it does affect the scholarship limit and if they have any more guys transfer out, they're going to be actually under. Yeah, I mean, if you they're look the, the defensive back, room. the defensive backfield needs bodies at this point. And I mean, I'm going to start looking really at the uh, transfer portal and and touching base with a few guys in that realm to see if I can see of any one that they're interested in. But I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of spring football there's a a push to add a player or two uh, in the secondary. So. Um, you know, I know people are going to be worrying about that or wondering about that, but um, when it comes to Amir and uh, Jocelyn, hopefully uh, whatever the truth is in their situation and, and uh, will come out and, and justice is done, uh, you know, however it needs to be. But uh, awful situation. Um, but again, as, as you said, we cover Ohio State football, so we're going to talk about the ramifications of that. Um and I know people are wondering. So I just want to say I, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up turning towards the transfer portal uh, at the end of and the spring. Go ahead. I just quickly, you know, quickly drink, cl- glance at what uh, the 24-7 composite has in the transfer portal. You know, there's a former four-star from Maryland. I just don't know if they're interested. Former four-star from Oklahoma. Um, yeah, the hard part is you just don't know what these kids – Yeah, you just don't know if these kids have, uh, are, are ready to play right away, if they have to graduate. There's all these, you know, nuance and, and – um, side stories that you just don't know so it's hard to speculate too much and, but go ahead and everything that happened now that ohio state is actually very thin and defensive back when last year it actually looked like that was one of their deepest positions they looked very deep you know all the talent that was assembled there the one of the, the most interesting pieces of this entire puzzle now is the fact that isaiah Pryor is playing for notre dame yeah isaiah Pryor was a starting safety in 2018 for the buckeyes alongside you know jordan fuller and uh 
Brendan White. And now Brendan White's in a Rutgers uniform and Isaiah Pryor is going to play for Notre Dame. And I just think it's really interesting that, um, you know, it's kind of uh, poetic that Ohio State now is super thin at defensive back where Isaiah Pryor could really help them. And he's not there anymore because he, he transferred out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the w- weird way the cookie crumbles. And again, you look at the needs here, and it's obvious that in 2021, the defensive back position is be going to be a major, major position in need for Ohio State. And we could circle back to Ja'Kalen Johnson at the top of the show, and, and that's why they got to go get a guy like that because once the 2021 uh, season and uh, comes around, the calendar turns. There's going to be some major, major needs for the Buckeyes. So uh, Spencer and I are going to wrap it up here, folks. That's going to be the end of this episode of Talking Stuff. Uh, as mentioned, that's Spencer Holbrook. I'm Jeremy Birmingham for Letterman Row. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Buyers Automotive. Thanks for listening. Spencer's actually going on vacation this week, so we're going to talk to you guys again next week. Uh, and uh, thanks again for listening. We will talk to you next time.